Let's get our Bibles open to the book of Philemon tonight. It's been a long time. We'll be uh, two weeks from tonight. We will be in 1 Samuel 28. We have been on Sunday nights in 1 Samuel for almost three years now, and it seems like it's been six months since we've been there, because it has. Um, but I, I just couldn't, uh, I could not get away from this passage uh, that we're going to preach tonight. The book of Philemon, and I want to read verses 10 through 20, and uh, just talk to you for a minute tonight. God, His, His, His goodness is running after us. I'm thankful for that tonight, and I love it. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we've got a reason. Man, I when she starts singing that, when we sing that, I know Matt sings that a lot. Man, there's just so many things to thank God for and to be thankful for and to praise Him for His goodness. And I mean, He's been so good to us. Philemon, uh, and there's only one chapter. And look at verse number 10. It says this, I beseech thee, of course this is Paul writing, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable but now profitable to thee and me, whom I have set again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he hath therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever not now as a servant but above a servant a brother beloved especially to me but how much more unto thee both in the flesh and in the lord if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught put that on mine account i paul have written with my own hand I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me seven thy own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord and refresh my bowels in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you that you have been so good to us. Lord, uh, Lord we don't deserve it. And Lord, your grace is enough. Lord, your, your love for us. Lord, the fact that you, Lord, you sent your son to die for us. Lord, you've redeemed us. God, I pray as we teach through this text tonight, God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, I believe that the subject matter tonight is one of the most important subject matters for each one of us. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help us. Lord, I, uh, Lord, you know my burden in my heart today, Lord, just couldn't get away from this. And I pray, Lord, that Lord, if it's just for one person tonight, God, I pray, Lord, that uh, Lord, you would help them to make the decision that they need to make. Father, we love you. Bless the kids in Awana tonight. Lord, bless each person that's here, those that are watching online. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness and your love. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Our text here is a letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And as we get into this, I just want us to establish one thing just right at the beginning. People are going to hurt you at some point. Um, if you've lived life, if you've been in church, if you're married, if you uh, if you had a job, if you have friendships, there's going to be a time when somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody's going to let you down. Somebody's going to hurt you. In our text here, there's three people that are represented. The first one, of course, this is a letter written to Philemon. It's written about Paul, or it's written by Paul about a man named 
Onesimus. Now Paul was the preacher, the evangelist, the church planner, the soul winner, and he's currently, just like when he wrote the book of Colossae, that letter to the Colossian church, he is sitting once again, he's in that same prison cell in Rome. Now Philemon was a wealthy landowner who actually lived in Colossae. Philemon was the recipient of this letter. He was a prominent member of the church at Colossae, which actually met in his house. And this letter was for him, his family, and his church. Uh, It's most likely that Philemon had been saved under Paul's ministry, probably at Ephesus, as you would see in verse number 19, several years earlier. So you have Paul the writer. Philemon is the one receiving it, and he's writing about this man named Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, if you remember when we studied Colossians, was one of the ones that delivered the letter of the letter to the Colossian church along with Tychicus. Now, Onesimus, this is why this is important. Onesimus was a former employee or servant of Philemon. He's one that either had stolen goods or money from him and ran to Rome to get lost in the crowd. He, he is, he's probably imprisoned himself for stealing. But either way, again, he runs into Paul and Paul leads him to Christ. Onesimus gets saved by the grace of God. Paul leads Onesimus to Christ and he gets sweetly and sincerely saved. We know this because he wants to make restitution and make his wrongs right to go back to Philemon. The problem is Philemon is not too happy with Onesimus right now. Onesimus' current relationship with Philemon. Look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. Look at these first couple words. What does it say? He, he is not now a servant. So the first thing that I want you to see here is he was a former servant or he was a former employee of Philemon. Philemon had, did not necessarily have an emotional attachment to Onesimus. He was simply a servant. He wasn't a relative. He wasn't someone that he could benefit by. He was simply a former servant. Not only was he a former servant, but look at verse number 11. Verse number 11, which in time past was to thee, what's the next word? Help me out. He was unprofitable. So not only was he a, unformal, a, a former servant, he was an unprofitable servant. So even if you're going to hire back a former employee, you're still going to have to check his past work record to see if he was a good employee. It says here, which in times past he was unprofitable. So not only was he a former servant, he was an unprofitable servant. Then look at verse 15 and stay with me. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, thou thou shouldest receive him forever. So not only was he a former servant, an unprofitable servant, but he was a quitter. He was a a former unprofitable servant that now quit on him. Look at verse number 10. It gets worse. Verse number 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, look, look at these next words, who I have begotten in my what? In my bonds. So not only was he a former servant, an unprofitable servant, he was a quitter, and he was a felon. He was in prison with Paul. Former employee, former unprofitable employee, and now he, we find out he has a record. Look at verse 18. Verse number 18. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, Put that on mine account. So it almost carries the idea here that he was a former, he was unprofitable. Man, he was a quitter, he was a felon, he was a thief. So this dude wasn't like, he wasn't employee of the month. Is anybody out there at all tonight? Man, he wasn't one that you were probably going to rehire. So, man, 
The request in this letter is for Philemon to receive Onesimus back. Look at verse 12. It says this, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. Verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou should have what? Receive him forever. Look at verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, here it is again, receive him. So, if you and I were Philemon, we might say something like this. If we're, you know, Paul, I'd consider hiring him back if all he was was a former servant. And I might consider hiring back if all he was was an unprofitable servant, a former unprofitable servant that quit on me, or maybe even a former unprofitable servant that quit on me and now has a felony record, or former unprofitable servant that quit on me and now has, listen, has a felony record for theft. But when I got to that part, it's like, hold on a second. All those others I can handle, but when somebody steals from me, would everybody agree that's where it gets really tough? Man, somebody starts stealing from you, man, that's where it gets rough. This isn't just about losing money, Paul. This is what we'd say. Man, this thing is personal. And Paul, you want me to bring him back as a servant? And you know what Paul says? No, I don't want you to bring him back as a servant. I want you to bring him back as a brother. Man, that's tough stuff. No, I want you to look at verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for receiving, that thou shouldest, look at this, receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved. Look at the degree of reception and acceptance Paul wanted Philemon to have for Onesimus. Paul said, first of all, and I want you to notice these in the text, you need to receive him first of all. Look at verse 16. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother be loved. Do you know what he's saying there? You need to receive him lovingly. This former servant, everybody right up here. This former servant, this unprofitable servant, this servant that quit on me, this felon and this thief, receive him lovingly. And then look at verse 17, it gets worse. If thou count me therefore as a partner, receive him as myself. So he says to receive him lovingly, but also receive him respectfully. Man, they had a great high regard for Paul. They had a great love for Paul. They had a great amount of respect for Paul. They looked up to Paul spiritually. You know what it says? Receive him respectfully. Paul knew this, and Paul said, receive him like you would receive me. Verse number 18, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. He's really saying this. I'll take care of the debt. Receive him unconditionally. Paul said this, regardless of the debt, what he stole, of the fact that he was unprofitable, he was a quitter, he was a convict, and he was a thief, regardless of that, receive him. Now, I don't know about you, but I always want limits. I'll forgive, but within these certain boundaries only if they haven't done this only if they make restitution only if they don't do it again look at verse number 15 for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him look what's the last word look the last two words here forever receive him unconditionally then he says this receive him permanently this is a tough message isn't it look at verse number 14 and many of the brethren in the lord 
waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to seek the word without fear. Verse 15, receive him forever. Man, he's telling him to receive him willingly. And then lastly here, he's saying to receive him completely. Now, how in the world is a person going to receive someone that's done all this stuff to them? Man, that would be tough to receive him completely, to receive him lovingly, to receive him willingly, to receive him permanently, to receive him unconditionally, to receive him respectfully, and to receive him lovingly. That's the heart. One man said it this way, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. One of the hardest things for us to do, and really what this whole letter is about, is to be a person of forgiveness. And I'll be honest, it's tough sometimes, isn't it? Man, when someone wrongs us, if anybody's wronged you before, it's hard, man. Man, if someone's hurt you in some way, it's hard to forgive. Man, I, and, and, the, and the thing that we have to remember is this, and this is really, I want to tell you a little bit of my testimony here in just a minute, but one of the things we've, we've got to realize is, listen, when we have trouble forgiving someone, we have to realize is how much God's forgiven us. Man, God has forgiven me so much. He has you too. If you don't think he has forgiven you, you've got some stuff you need, to, you need to work through. You were headed, listen, I don't care if you were born in the church and you, got, you were in the nursery the, the first Sunday or if you, you got saved later on in your later years. Listen, you were set of this, we were all, listen, we were all born the same way and we were all headed to hell. Every one of us. There's not one of us in here tonight that could say, man, I, I'm good enough, or I've never wronged him. And what, what happens after a little while, and this is what gets hard, what happens after a little, little while is this, we start thinking that we're better than we really are. And we start comparing ourselves to other people, and we start looking, we forget. Can I just remind you, if you're saved tonight, God has forgiven every one of us of so much. Man, I, and I, y'all hear me say this all the time, but I just don't get over this. God knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. Now, I want to think, because I wouldn't want this, if I took those things that's in your head already tonight, right, and put them up on this screen, how many of y'all would be ashamed? Don't raise your hand, because I know you would. If he took that deepest, darkest thing in your life that nobody else in the world knows about, and by the way, you have one, <laughs> and if you think you don't, you at the wrong church. There's a lot of churches with perfect people around. You can go to those. This ain't one. Because none of them are. He knows all that. He knows the bitterness in your heart. He knows, guys, he knows the lust that you struggle with that nobody else knows about. He knows, he knows listen, he knows those times where, you've, where, you, where you look at that person and you literally despise them. That person at work, maybe. Or that family member. Huh? Are we getting too, too real? That person that gets on your nerves just when they speak. <laughs> yeah, you preacher, somebody help me tonight. Man, that family member that has wronged you. Man, you know what God wants us to do? Listen, there's two parts to the Christian life. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. If our relationship, and I'm preaching to me here because I've struggled with this before. If our relationship with others isn't right, our relationship with God ain't right. Can't be. John puts it really hard terms. He says, How? He says you, you say you, you love God who you haven't seen, but you don't love your brother 
who you have seen. And this is the PJP version, but this is what it says. This is what God says there. You're a liar. <laughs> That's rough, isn't it? Man, I've been through some times where I had unforgiveness. And let me just tell you, unforgiveness in my life, you know what it did? It hurt me a whole lot more than the other person. And I'm not saying, listen, I know some of us have been, maybe you've been sexually abused in some way. Maybe you've been through something that's just absolutely terrible. I know that's heavy. I'm not minimizing what you've been through. Okay? I'm not saying that when we forgive, we have to put that person back into the same influence circle that they once have. I don't believe we need to do that. But I will say this, if we don't eventually work through that internal bitterness that's in our heart, it's going to kill you, it will kill your family, your life will be a wreck. And I've shared my story, it's been a long time, I just want to remind you a little bit of what God had to work me through, why my life spiraled out of control. I mean, I remember I grew up, most of you know this, I'm from Texas, praise God, that's God's country, Amen. I've been praying, God, lead me to Texas or, or Montana. And he's closed the door on both. Somebody help me, okay? But I grew up in Texas, man, and my dad was my hero, just like most little boys. By the way, men, let me just remind you, your, boy, your boys look up to you. You're their hero. They may not act like it, but you are. He was my hero, and he was a preacher, man. He was that old school, I'm talking about veins popping out, screaming at you, mad about everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what kind of preacher he was. And... Man, he's my hero, and we'd go to these meetings. Man, I remember when I grew up in church, I was in church every night of my life. My dad had um, been saved by the grace of God as, a, as a, about a 21-year-old, got saved, and he, would, he had, uh, I, I, this is why part of, the, part of the reason I am the way I am. Dad was a rodeo clown and ended up was hooked on, he was hooked on painkillers and got saved by the grace of God. God changed his life, began to preach. God was working in his life. And, and, um, I believe it was 1987, he, he ended up, he was church, Denton, Texas, Central Baptist Church, I think, were you with me, we stopped by last time we were down in Texas, we went to where Daddy pastored, where I got saved, and went and visited uh, when we were down there last time preaching, and uh, but anyhow, he was preaching, God was blessing his church, man, things were happening, it was awesome, we ended up having to have a sinus surgery, and he went in for that sinus surgery as he's preaching, and guess what they gave him, and I'm not making excuses, I'm just telling you, this is the story, they gave him those pain pills, that thing that he had been delivered from and saved from. And as you can imagine, guess what ended up happening? He got hooked on those pain pills again. Well, he's dealing with that. He's dealing with church. He's dealing with the pressure of pastoring. And I don't try to whine about that stuff, but if you've never done it, you have no idea what it's about or what it's like. So he's trying to deal with that stuff and trying to just work through some things and Come to find out, man, there's just some stuff going on behind the scenes that didn't need to be going on. And we showed up. So Daddy was kind of like me. I get here on a Sunday morning. I'm here about 6 o'clock every Sunday. I roll in here. I park right back. Y'all know where I park there. Daddy did the same thing. He was the first one there every week. Well, we would get there later, and we'd always stop by his office on Sunday morning. I remember this Sunday was like every other Sunday, and we got there and went to his office, and he wasn't there. It was kind of odd. Maybe he's in the bathroom somewhere, maybe whatever. So we get in there, and Mom comes in to see him before church and all that, and there's a note on the desk. And, and by the way, when people tell me that they don't go to church because of church hurt, let me tell you about some church hurt that I've been through. And that day at church, Dad's the preacher. There's a note laying on his desk that says, I can't take the pressure anymore. Don't bother finding me. And he's gone. Nowhere to be found. Sunday morning, okay? Church is packed out. No preacher there. I remember as a little eight-year-old boy, there was a secretary's office right outside of there. I remember crawling under that desk, and I actually went back into that room uh, just a few years ago. But I remember crawling under this little eight-year-old boy and just bawling. 
not understanding what's going on. Many of you know, I've shared this with you before, it's been a, been a while, but he ended up having an affair with one of my mom's good friends, a lady that sang in church, every, uh, sang in the choir, and ended up taking off. Well, separation happens. By the way, thank God, mom never, we never got out of the habit of going to church even through that. She dragged our tails there, we went to church. Guess where we were the next Sunday? We was in church the next Sunday. But remember that, man, it crushed me. Hero preacher when you're a pastor everybody knows who you are everybody knows your family you already live in this glass box even as a kid and people are always looking at you so we'd go somewhere and they weren't really talking but they probably were you know what I'm saying everywhere you would go and you'd have those type of feelings two more years went by they kind of did the weekend thing but he never came and got us you know what I'm saying so eventually he ended up signing over rights to my stepdad who mom had met and my stepdad ended up adopting us and that's the when you hear me talk about my dad and preaching his funeral and that he was the real deal. That's who I'm talking about. That's who I called dad. I took on his name. When he adopted us, my name was Jacob Bowman. When he adopted us, it became Jacob Potter. If that's not a picture of the gospel, by the way, man, his house became the house that I lived in. His roof became, oh my goodness, somebody better help me tonight. His roof became my roof. His grace and his love became, is everybody tracking me there? But I watched my dad as he signed over those rights as an eight-year-old boy. When that's your, when that's your hero, when that's the preacher, your spiritual hero and your, your, your dad, Man, I, I knew as a young age I was called to preach, but I'd have one foot in and one foot out. I'm not making excuses for anything, but I had some major bitterness in my life towards the church, towards Christians, towards those type of things. And I still go to church, and I knew God wanted me to be a preacher, but I dealt with that. I, I internalized that. I'm a person that's very private. I'm a person that's not going to verbalize how I feel. Pretty much going to be the same temperament, just mean all the time. Somebody help me, okay? Pretty consistent. You know what to expect. It's going to be a sarcastic, smart aleck remark, Okay? That's normal. It's when I'm being nice. You've got to start worrying. You know what I'm saying? And, man, I started just struggling internally with this. If, if God loves things, questions maybe you've asked if you've been through something. If God really loves me, why do he allow me to go through this? A lot of people ask that question. My pastor and my dad, why would God allow me to go through something like this? Abandonment. That's what it was. Man, hurt, pain. And, man, my life began to spiral out of control. I'm talking about from the time I was eight years old till uh, probably 22 years old, that bitterness and that unforgiveness, guess who it didn't hurt? didn't hurt my dad because he hadn't even forgiven himself. He needed to forgive himself. You know who it hurt? Me. Now, if I forgave my dad, did that mean he was going to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table with the rest of our family every year? Probably not. Did it mean he was going to be my pastor again? Probably not. But can I just tell you this? Eventually, I had to come to a point where I had to deal with this thing. And Pastor, your, Pastor Colin, your dad says it one of the best ways. He said, either you deal with your bitterness or your bitterness will deal with you. And let me tell you where bitterness even leads good church people. It leads down a road to destruction. And man, it started leading down it in my life. And I got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. Sometimes, like the prodigal son, sometimes we got to come into ourselves we got to realize that my daddy wasn't the problem in the situation. Guess who the problem was? It wasn't him. It was me because I ain't dealt with it. And I remember this. I was preaching in uh, Flower Mound, Texas, I think. Is that where it was, baby? Is it Brother Walsh's? I was preaching in Flower Mound, Texas and tracked Dad down. Hadn't seen him. I guess this would have been 20, close to about 13 to 15, maybe 20 years. I don't know. been a long time. And I saw him, and y'all know my mom. If you see my mom for her age, she looks very young, beautiful, got herself together. I saw dad for the first time then, and he looked like what you would expect, hard living to look. 
He looked 20 years older than her. He didn't have a thing in the world. The way of the transgressor is hard. I'm just telling you. But I, I, I track him down. I call him. Say, hey, can we just... This is Jacob. He knew exactly who it was. I said, can we meet and have breakfast while I'm in town? I'm in town preaching at, at Brother Wallace's. I said, can we have breakfast? We met, we met in um, Mansfield, Texas at a Denny's that morning. He didn't have enough money. He's in his 50s at this point. He didn't have money to pay for his own meal at Denny's. I remember sitting down with him at that table. And listen, I was, I was carrying some stuff. He didn't ask for forgiveness. And listen, I'm not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. Because the only way you can do true forgiveness, the only reason, the only way you can work through something is if the Holy Spirit of God does it through you. I remember looking at him with him not asking. And I just said, I told him, Dad, I love you and I forgive you. And You know, it, was, wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal to him. But can I tell you who it was a big deal to that day? It was a big deal to me. When I got up from that table there, Mansfield, Texas, walked out of that Denny's, out to my truck to head back to church to preach that night. Y'all listen to me tonight. And if you don't believe me, I dare you to forgive somebody. Outside of marrying my wife, outside of salvation, and outside of Caitlin being born, the greatest day of my life is when I forgave him. It was like a burden was lifted. I'm just telling you, I walked away that day a different person. It wasn't as short verbally as I once was. Didn't have the hatred that I once was. I could sit in church again and worship and have peace and have grace because the bitterness inside of me wasn't killing the one I was bitter at. It was killing me. And I'm just here to tell you tonight, if you're holding on to something, man, if you haven't let it go, if you haven't given it to the Lord, listen, He can do the same thing in your heart and in your life that He did in mine. He can give you freedom from that bitterness. It's a peaceful place to be when these relationships are right. Because when they're right, this one's right. And I just want you to think about that tonight. I'm not the hero. Listen, I, I'm an idiot. A lot of times I know that. I struggle every day of my life. I mean, I, there's times, and I, I tell you this, one of the things I have to guard against in my life as a pastor is that I don't get a hard heart towards people. I'm just telling you. It's one of the hardest things. And I've learned this. Forgiveness. Listen, unforgiveness, you know what it'll do? It'll keep the pain alive in your life. I know people who lay their head on their pillow at night can't sleep because they're just angry with somebody. I know people who've been abandoned like that. And listen, I was one of you. Been there before. Because I didn't let it go. And it was just killing me. So I just want to encourage you with this tonight. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you just need to genuinely forgive. It doesn't mean you've got to restore them to that relationship. It doesn't mean that they have the influence that they once did. But it may be one of those things where you say, God, maybe tonight just start this process in my heart. Start this process in my life. Lord, help me to forgive that person that's wronged me. Aren't you thankful tonight that in spite of us, in spite of all my sin, in spite of all my problems, <laughs> in spite of how hard-headed we are, the moment that we repent and turn back to God, He was already standing there with His arms open. When I begin to walk down that road and head home, when that prodigal began to walk down that road, the Father was already there waiting, looking, because He knew He was coming home. And I want, maybe, maybe that's you tonight. And you just need to make that decision that you're going to let that thing go, and you're going to give it to the Lord tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed, altars open if you need a place to pray tonight. Let's make decisions for Christ tonight. Sing something, Matt.